Is compliance in crisis possible? That was a question I have received in summer 2020, in the middle of the pandemic. And it made me think, not finding the answer, this was quite easy, but the question itself. I will gladly take you on the road to why and how I came up with my answer and especially why this could also be important for you, negotiating with your stakeholders and shareholders. Great to have you here. Corporate integrity, fraud, non-compliance and cybersecurity. Would you like to understand the root causes, detect threats and take measurements to protect the most precious assets? As a leader, you need to be prepared and stay actionable in the event of an incident. Sonia Sternemann talks in her podcast, The Human Factor, Corporate Integrity Matters. To leaders and entrepreneurs who want to have impact, foster corporate integrity, and act as role models. As an international expert for corporate governance and integrity, entrepreneur, and independent board member, she knows the challenges. Let her inspire you. Welcome to this new episode of the podcast, The Human Factor, Corporate Integrity Matters. You might be an integrity enthusiast, a game changer, a business leader, on, or, or on your way there. I'm your mentor when it comes to corporate integrity and ethical leadership with impact. Founder of Corporate Integrity Concepts and the Corporate Integrity Academy, with the vision to protect and secure assets, reputation and actionability, yours and the one of your organization. Why? Because corporate integrity matters. So let us make the world a place of integrity and ethical leadership. And now let's dive into the question, if compliance is possible in crisis, which is on spot for today's episode. How is it possible to come up with such a question? This was my first inner reaction I had. And then I wanted to understand the underneath hopes and wishes from the person who raised it, and for you, also in the field every day. How do you cope with such a question in your role and organization? I'm convinced that this type of question is crucial for us, because it could put our strategy and business at risk. But wisely managed, it becomes one of the key success factors. Implicitly, we learn a lot about the different perspectives managers have and adapt how this could end up in misbehavior harming our corporate integrity. As mentioned, I was asked a question by a CEO in my network, a serious guy, and he knew exactly why he brought up the topic. He was looking for social proof outside of his organization. And that is something which happens quite often, and I also see in our community of leadership circle. It is very supportive to hear the opinion of peers not being in the same organization. The blind spots we all have turning by always turning into the same crowd can be very counterproductive. The CEO also wanted to raise awareness in his organization. Speaking out a taboo is more convenient if it is reconfirmed by an external expert. I think this was also what he wanted to receive from me. 
And for the ones who know me already, you know the answer I immediately gave. It was quick and to the point. Why not? In my opinion, more than ever. And this question is what I call a typical thought by everybody asked by nobody question. I think you know what I mean. And you have a lot of such questions also in your environment. And that's what I ask you back. When have you been lost in the situation you raised such a thought by everybody asked by nobody question? And did you get an answer to it? Or have you been confronted with one? And how did you cope with it? Is the necessity of being compliant something you or your organization questions during crisis? The beauty of the podcast format is that you answer the question just for yourself and maybe bring it back to your organization. You don't have to answer it for me. You just make that for you and your own protection. The idea of eliminating compliance due to crisis reminds me back to the old days when I was a child. Haven't we always tried to profit from exceptions? For example, the exception to stay up longer when guests were at our house. We always tried it because it was an exception and I expected that I can stay up a little bit longer. But... Eliminating compliance due to crisis implies a rather immature behavior of business leaders. In this episode, I will not focus on all the different excuses I hear when it comes to prevention, controls, compliance, as it would be just too long. But promised, there will be episodes in the future where I take up the excuses, illusions and biases putting our organizations at risk. When we put the interest of eliminating compliance into the big picture, there are different angles for that. Excuses of not being able to comply are always very easy at hand. For example, exceptional circumstances, which could be possible. Lacking resources, also possible, or just other priorities. We all know that the topic itself belongs to, to the responsibility of the board and executive committees. So the awareness needs to be given here. And the tone at the top in respect of being compliant in crisis is key. And we exactly talk about that. My answer was short. Why not? More than ever. This was only the outcome of, a much, more of much more thoughts behind. The impulse, why not, triggers further reactions because implicitly, is compliance possible in crisis would mean dear shareholders and stakeholders, in crisis all agreements regardless of their form are void. True to the motto, it's none of my business. You agree, this does not tie into all we pursue in our responsibilities. In my view, this is an answer that neither the individual, the organization, the economy or society nor our culture can, or better said, should tolerate. And therefore, I came up with yes and. Yes and, so I finished my answer with yes and more than ever. Just reflect for yourself. Who 
trusts you and your company to take business protection and security seriously and to do everything possible to guarantee it. Isn't it your shareholders and stakeholders? They trust you. How do, we, do you protect our so-called crown jewels, the company's most precious assets? What do these assets include? I'm often asked. Tangible and intangible assets. And very important, which most people are slowly but surely becoming aware of, our data. So we, as business leaders, we have to take care about these assets. So to make the context clear, I'm talking about business-driven compliance in the corporate sense and not about the reduction to purely regulated requirements. This would not be enough. Every organization, regardless of its size, it's based on unspoken, spoken, documented and undocumented rules. These rules are designed to protect your organization and its vision. This has been the case for thousands of years and it's still a proven recipe. So why should we change that now? And as you might already know, I prefer to bring parallels to the business world and especially when I talk about rules, compliance, risk and governance. It helps to understand the underlying goal, the intention, and it nails it down. And what I learned is, if I am not able to explain something to a five years old, I will risk that anybody understands it when I explain it. Imagine, and that's what I would like to do with you now, I will bring you back to a parallel world of business and then coming back to our business world again. Imagine a picture with people who let themselves be told something. Ten crew members sitting close together. Yes, of course, before the pandemic. It was the year 2008. Can you imagine what it is? It is the instruction of a crew on a ship that is foreign to them. And that must be transferred from San Martin in the Caribbean Sea to Portugal in Europe. Beautiful weather. There were indeed countless activities which could also be on the radar of the crew. And maybe more interesting than just listening to the instructions, to the safety instructions. So, why do they do that? Who are they doing it for? The law? The auditor, the supervisor, authority or regulator? Nope. They just do it for their own safety. They are preparing for the crisis. When I set sail with this crew to across the Atlantic, we all had a common goal. To arrive safely in Europe after more than 3,500 nautical miles. The initial situation we had was as following. We did not know each other. We transferred a boat which wasn't ours. We did not know from experience about the expertise and skills of the other crew members. So it sounds like in business. The first thing we defined 
was our rules of conduct on board. So maybe it rings a bell. Let's talk about the code of conduct. We also defined checks on compliance with these rules and the procedures to be followed in the event of an emergency, which is a so-called crisis. Hmm? Does it sound narrow-minded what we did there? I think not. No. It is and it was necessary if you have the common goal of bringing the crew and the ship safely to Europe in mind. You may ask yourself now, did we cultivate a culture of trust? Of course, yes, and, and that's the and I already mentioned before. You remember the question I received, is compliance in, in crisis possible? This is where we started. The reason or almost excuse for not having been compliant in the business world or crisis. But coming back to the case study at sea, I told already beforehand that we on the boat have defined controls on the rules of conduct. We did not call them that. We, we, it was not written down. We defined them based on the risks and alongside the processes orally. That's the reason why we needed to have the instruction. I'm happy to share some examples with you here and maybe also in further, for further episodes we are going to have together. The team of two, that's just one example, which oversaw the ship for four hours. This was our, our rhythm we had, always had to keep to the course to be sailed. That's just the navigational part. Simple, isn't it? But it is a rule and we had to stick to it. Also, another one which was very important and I could tell you more stories about that is every 30 minutes, the whole boat was checked for irregularities on deck by one person while the other person was on steering. Who did we do this for? For our safety and the seamanship. All sailors among you know how many rules we have to follow to our own safety. What do these safety net in our companies look like? So we are now back in business. I'm pretty sure that with analogies like the one mentioned before, we are raising awareness and understanding why compliance is even more important during crisis. As a result of the current crisis, priorities have been redefined into the so-called crisis mode of those responsible, consciously or unconsciously. There is a strong suspicion that this happened unconsciously in many organizations, which increases the risk of misallocation of their resources. For example, projects in compliance management system, fraud risk assessments, fraud management, incident management, and so on, were stopped, not started, or completely aborted. Any measures that have been decided are therefore not implemented, which in turn increases the opportunity and thus the risk of non-compliance, regardless of the pattern. And by the way, it also includes the whole range of cybersecurity issues. 
It needs a culture of integrity rather than only a culture of trust to succeed. Many companies, especially in the international environment, have successfully implemented the transformation towards corporate integrity too, or are on the way to doing so. As per my understanding and what I see out in the field, this requires courage and leadership, which means personal responsibility. From my point of view, especially in crisis, this is the most important character, tra character traits of all those involved across all hierarchical levels. The conscious movement towards a culture of integrity consists of different components and begins, at least, with the role model function, the walk the talk we all have as business leaders. We need the integrity of those responsible, the tone at the top, means by the board, board itself, but also the individual board members. The strategic spons sponsorship is key for integrity by the board and the C-level. The binding nature, nature and reliability of implementation needs to be taken serious. It means you have measurements, you have sanctions in cases of misconduct. And the so-called speak-up culture needs to be implemented by all roles and functions. And a further, uh, further advantage, as current, currently public cases demonstrates and can be read every day in the news, corporate integrity also enables rapid adaption to changes like technologies or crisis. For the compliance of a company, this means not waiting for what is required from a regulatory perspective, but evaluating what is needed to be successful on the market in the next decade, decades. The question is not whether compliance is possible in crisis, but how. So creating a culture of integrity during crisis overburdens those responsible, promised. And then it's just too late. For this reason, it is crucial that it is continuously established and lived over time, regardless of whether the auditor checks compliance with the regulations. It is not only regulation-based what I'm talking about when we talk about corporate integrity. I think now it's really it's already time to come up with my final tips and insights. We started with a question, is compliance possible in crisis? My answer was, why not? Yes, and more important than ever. And how are we now going to implement what we have heard into practice? I always suggest to make it as tangible as possible. Otherwise, we as humans do not get into action. So have you analog analogies from your world to make compliance more tangible to your audience, your stakeholders, your team? If not, of course, you can share the story I brought up here. That's my personal story and you can share it, how we acted as a crew bringing the ship from the Caribbean Sea to Europe. The following three key facts are an easy start for the conversation with your peers and in your organization. And it will already work towards awareness and prevention. First, Shifting priorities due to crisis at the expense of compliance exposes the organization to increased risk, so please avoid it. 
the ability to adapt, adapt strengthens the resilience of companies and enables them to survive this crisis. So please take a look at your resilience within your firm, but also your own resilience. Social control intervenes better in crisis due to the increased individual pressure. So we will also talk about this pressure topic in more detail in one of the upcoming um, episodes, but also what we have learned now during this crisis of more than 12 months, the social control changed and also the behavior of the people. So ask yourself and your organization how do these three key areas of prioritization, adaption and social control work together to protect your business? And please do not forget what you implicitly already know. Business-driven compliance remains the number one competitive advantage, especially in times of crisis. And compliance should be set up as the business protector and not just from a regulatory standpoint. My personal conclusion is that the purpose-driven compliance is just needed in times of crisis to protect assets, no matter which are important to you. You define it, you name it, and you make sure that these assets are protected. Especially in crisis, we depend on social control. And I can tell you, that if someone in our seamanship had not done what we had agreed before, things would have been very uncomfortable. And everyone saw that the rules which were supposed to protect us were respected. So we also had our social control on the boat. In terms of compliance, that means that misconduct is addressed and reported. The still thrown up speak-up culture uncovers and protects so think for a moment about a situation or an organization in your direct sphere of influence that could take a turn for the better here. I personally trust that the knowledge of the processes in the old world alone are not enough, but requires adoption to the new requirements. Therefore, facing constant currently also crisis-related changes, which lead to an increase in fraud cases, non-compliant cyber attacks, more than a culture of trust is needed. We talk about corporate integrity. And this was episode number three of The Human Factor, Corporate Integrity Matters. Following the belief, corporate integrity secures and empowers individuals and organizations. Would you like to learn more, meet peers and getting qualified? So visit the website Corporate Integrity Concepts or Corporate Integrity Academy. Or do you think this podcast could be interesting for someone you know? Sharing is caring and we are always happy to welcome your peers to our community. And if you like this episode, subscribe and don't miss any of the future ones. The show notes are, of course, enriched with relevant information and your connection via any of the social media channels is highly appreciated and will be answered. Promised. And please do not forget, 
topics of your interest or interview partners are highly welcome. Just send me a note on any of the channels you know. That's it from my side. I thank you for listening. My name is Sonja Stiernimon and I'm your host. Stay curious, actionable and a role model. Take care and goodbye.